Welcome to episode 10 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee and I am your host. Our subject is discernment and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. And I can say I'm joined here today in the studio by some very interesting-looking students, particularly the one on my left, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I can't believe that we've already reached the 10th episode. I think that deserves a ding and a clap. Time flies, as they say, although actually, and you're probably not surprised, I'm going to say this time is an immovable concept. It's a means of measuring our activities, events, and history. In fact, it's another way of another one of those immaterial invariants that help us to bring structure to and to make sense of reality, at least temporal reality. We use time to measure the days, the weeks, the months, years, seasons, and eras. We measure lifespan by time, marking birthdays annually and using certain ages as thresholds for freedom. 16 to drive. 18 to be emancipated, 21 to drink alcohol, and with the exception of IHOP, where you can actually qualify for senior discounts at 55, which is next year for me, (laughs) one generally must reach 62 or 65 years of age to qualify for quote-unquote retirement, which, by the way, is a modern concept which has no basis in scripture, but I digress. That's another topic. In sports... Hogan may be interested to know that time is necessary to distinguish between winners and losers, to establish world records, and to break those records. Time's also a means by which games are made fair. Can you imagine, Roger, a hockey game of random length periods? Hogan, what if one football team was given more time between plays than the other? What if the Alabama Crimson Tide were given as much time as they needed, and not that they do, But if they were given as much time as they needed to score on the final drive, rather than having to accomplish that feat within the actual fixed time remaining on the clock. Or what if in basketball, the shot clock was 45 seconds for the favored team and only 10 seconds for the team with ugly uniforms? But I'm wearing Alabama colors. (laughs) I was going to say, I like it. Exactly. All right, let's, let's stop this just for a second. Roger, to my left, is wearing a... It is pretty close to crimson. It's it's yeah. probably slightly lighter than Alabama crimson tuxedo. It's a rental tux jacket. It's a little bit light. Black bow tie, white shirt with those little um, button fillers. They have a name I forget. He has button black fillers. black <laughs> trim, black trim on the lapels. Um, I must say he looks very sharp. And snazzy suspenders. Thank you. Yes, I do have suspenders. I was going to ask if we had Roger the Weekend in here for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Roger the Weekend. To celebrate our 10th episode. Uh, Getting back to time. So time is universal. Its application doesn't change by geographic location, language, or custom. A minute is comprised of 60 seconds, whether it's measured in North America, Europe, Australia, or even Africa. And since the creation of the world, with a few 
notable biblical exceptions, and I'll come back to you on that. Every day has been 24 hours in length. That is, the world rotates on its axis on its axis by making one revolution every 24 hours. Indeed, it is because time is universal that it is so useful and beneficial. Can you imagine the confusion in a world where each nation, or even a state, a city, or a community, employ different measurements of days and hours? So time doesn't fly, does it? Indeed, if time were actually to fly, to move, or to be applied with inconsistent measures, it would lose its meanings and usefulness, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. If time were not constant, we would need another mechanism, actually, to measure the movement of time. So, maybe instead of using the expression, time flies, if you really want to turn heads at work and family gatherings, you should say something like, thank God for the concept of time. For how else would we be able to express the relative speed at which the events of life have passed? Yeah, because I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well with my little siblings. Can you visualize the response? Okay, go back up just for a second. What are a couple of biblical exceptions to days having 24 hours? Anybody know? This is a, if you get it right, you get penguin skull horn. Uh, when the Israelites were fighting the Canaanites, right, in Joshua, and Joshua was praying in the earth, and the sun, it says in... The, s- the sun stood still. The sun stood still. Yeah. That's right. So backwards. first, penguins go horn for that. Woo-hoo! That's right. Joshua 10, 13, 14. So the sun stood still in the midst of heavens and hasted not to go down a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So excellent, Katie. That's number one. There's one other instance I'm thinking of in particular where we know the day couldn't have been exactly 24 hours. Tick-tock. Wasn't that the story where the time goes backwards and, like, the shadow? You're getting very close if we're playing the game of what hot or cold. Hot or cold. You're getting close. You're almost getting as hot as that red jacket, Roger. Mm. Or, or the man who's in it. No. Uh. <laughs> How do you do a reverse goal horn? <laughs> if we, if we record that and see what it sounds like going backwards, like a reverse gate on a drum... <laughs> no, you're getting close. What is it? What happened? I don't remember. Anybody? I can't remember mm-hmm. either. No. Sundial, right? Mm-hmm. Hezekiah was ill. He prayed to the Lord. Prophet came to Hezekiah and said that you'll be you've been granted permission to live for 15 more years, and he gave him this proof. He said he said what confirmation do you want? And so he asked for God to make the shadow go backwards. So God made the sun go back 10 steps on the sundial to confirm his allowing Hezekiah to live 15 more years. Um, Isaiah 38, 8, um, or you could find it also in Chronicles. And I think there might be a reference to it in Kings as mm-hmm. well. Hmm. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, a goal horn. And we'll, we'll give you a ding, though. Let's, let's give Roger, our red-coated, okay. red-coated student, a ding because he got close. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, by the way, that examination of time has nothing to do with the topic we're going to get into, but... When we return, the students will join me to give their views on a new hypothesis. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands.
Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am your host. Today, we are pleased to have as our guests three icebergs, one of whom, again, is dressed very finely. <laughs> Roger to my left, still putting up, with, red putting up with my green. <laughs> so, Roger, to your left is... Hogan. And to Hogan's left and my right is... Katie. Katie. So we're sitting in a circle here as we do every week. Thank you so much. Um, just a little reminder to those who might be listening to this episode as the first, why do we call you icebergs? I'm glad you asked. Since we are in the teaching business, or that I am, and since repetition is an indispensable support to pedagogy, I'm happy to reiterate that I select my guests only from among icebergs, not snowflakes. The students invited to this program have demonstrated that what appears above the surface is supported by an immovable integrity below the surface. And yes, that's meant to be a compliment. Unlike fragile snowflakes that melt and dissolve when you turn up the temperature, icebergs can withstand the withering heat of attacks against their positions without losing the integrity of their condition or the courage of their convictions. Now, here's your part. As we say, snowflakes may sparkle when left undisturbed, but, students, they are... No match for the titanic challenges of reality. Okay, so now I'm going to say it and you're going to pretend you know it. So as we say, snowflakes may sparkle when left undisturbed, but they They are are no match for for the titanic Titanic challenges challenges of reality. reality. Very good. Someone almost said society. I did. That was me. (laughs) See, repetition works. And I believe that today's hypothesis, as with some of the others that we've examined recently— presents a titanic challenge to the underlying premise of most of the world. So now we're going to enter the... Hypothesis of Hypothesis. All right, our hypothesis this week is... (laughs) Bias is bad. Listen to it again. Bias is bad. True or false? False. False. Yeah, I would say false as well. All right, give them goal horns. Woo-hoo. Does that mean we get three goal horns? Yeah, we should get three. Wow. No, we'll get one. Wow, wow. Wow. Okay. That's actually the correct answer. And maybe our listeners are going to say, what in the heck? Bias is not bad, right? Mm-hmm. So can you explain yourself? Let's go in the reverse since we've given Roger hard enough time about his red jacket today. <laughs> Katie. Why is it false to say bias is bad? In other words, does that mean bias is good or does that mean bias is not necessarily bad? I would say that having a bias is something that everyone has, whether it's good or bad. And the thing that can be bad or good is the bias itself, not the action of having the bias. Okay. Very good distinction. So it depends on what kind of bias we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. The particular bias. Yes. Okay. Um, Can you give me an example of a bad bias and contrast it with a good bias. Um, okay. I would say it's a little silly, but having the bias to want to breathe water would be a breathe water? <laughs> yeah, would be a bad bias. <laughs> oh, a bad bias. I kinda want to yeah, breathe if you're water a fish. Though. Exactly. You if you're a human, pneumonia. then it's a bad bias for you. Okay. I, I suppose if you had a death wish or a drowning wish. Well, that makes sense. That would be that would be a bias. It'd still be bad though, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a very interesting example. Can you give me a good bias or an example of a good bias? The opposite of wanting to breathe water. 
To breathe air, that'd be a good bias. I was going to say to breathe like Coca-Cola or something. <laughs> that would be... Probably worse. <laughs> I, you know... All that carbon Latin. dioxide. <laughs> you know, back in back in episode, I think it was two, and you can we can correct me later, but um, we talked about Little Red Riding Hood. And so I'm going to ask Hogan, did Little Red Riding Hood have any biases in that story? And if, if they... If she did, what were they, and were they good or bad? Well, she had a bias to the wolf thinking that he was good, and obviously that was not a good bias to have because he wasn't. Yeah, it had consequences, (laughs) didn't it? It did. Okay. Um, She thought that the character of the wolf was good, and so she proceeded to tell the wolf everything about where she was going, who her grandmother was, and um, so that was a bias, though. Right? It was a belief. No one had told her that the wolf was bad. So she had an opinion that the wolf – perhaps someone told her the wolf was actually good. But at least she didn't believe that he was bad. All right. So that's a, an example of a bad bias or a bias with a bad consequence. Roger, what are some other types of biases? You could talk about biases in sports teams, preference, like which team you like better. Tends mm. to affect your outlook on which mm-hmm. team is the best. <laughs> yeah, and like sometimes if you it can affect Penguins were the best. <laughs> sometimes it can affect your outlook on life, right? If your favorite team loses, <laughs> um, this yeah, is also a couple oh, days no. to I don't know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah never. <laughs> Hogan doesn't know what that's like he because doesn't. he likes Alabama. <laughs> um, okay, so sports bias. Let's. Uh, Hogan made fun of me. I think he was looking right at me. His eyes pierced my heart when he said. I had a bias for the Penguins, which I do. Now, is that bias good, bad, true, false? It depends on the season maybe, right? But I'm always going to have that bias for the Penguins, I think, unless they become so politically correct. You know, I used to love the Boston Red Sox, but they become so politically correct, I have a really hard time stomaching. Um, And I feel bad because it's not the the players themselves, but the organization and the management. They go out of their way to politicize everything and can't just enjoy baseball anymore. Um, So my bias in favor of the Red Sox is changing because of that. I hope that that doesn't become the case in the future with the Pittsburgh Penguins. For now, it remains okay. Well, if it does, the Predators would love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have to find a team that um, is not going to go down that path. Not going down that road. How about the bias that has to do with, um, how about climate change? How about belief in government? Um, as ultimate, right? Not just believe in the existence of government. Um, what kind of biases do we see expressed by businessmen or politicians? Or um, what kind of biases are do we see exercised in favor of statements made by pharmaceutical companies? Does that raise any ideas or charge your imagination? Remember, you, you said that bias is not bad. Katie confirmed that it is it depends on the particular situation before we go further hogan and roger do you agree with that assessment oh yes Yes. yeah i agree with that okay thank you so bias is neither bad nor good so that's why we said bias is bad is false give me some examples though of some bad biases whether in politics in culture in business give me some some biases which may not be provable that are bad or that have bad effects. Uh, what about the bias towards the, the belief that 
um, there is such thing as climate change. <laughs> yeah, and, and by that we mean man-made Man, yeah, changes exactly. in the climate, right? The, the climate changes every day. The weather changes but every day. that we have any control over it, and that affects policy. Yes. So what kind of policy then follows a belief that if, if the belief, the bias is that man is causing the earth to change temperature, what's the policy that follows generally? We stop using oil and switch to using corn. <laughs> yeah, lots of restrictions. Burning holes through our engine with corn. Yeah, restrictions and change in lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Rolling blackouts. In order to combat this bias, right? How about with respect to what's happened since 2020, which is the onset of COVID, coronavirus, and everything that has followed? Do you see any biases that have been advanced during that time? Oh, Yes. Plenty. Yeah, it's quite so. Yeah. So let's just talk about one or, one, or two, one or two. Alphabetically. I think we have a few episodes on this topic, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, we could go on. Um, pharmaceuticals. What, what's one of the inherent biases that we, that we see expressed either directly or indirectly with respect to pharmaceuticals and drugs as it pertains to COVID? That the jab is good. Okay. Yeah, pharmacies are to be trusted. Okay. There's, there's an inherent bias that pharmacies, a drug company, is to be trusted and therefore people are to take a jab, right, of an experimental gene-altering drug. And the belief is that that will make you – well, at first they used to say cure you. Now they, of course, admit that, well, it has nothing to do with curing you and it could actually make you sicker for a while. But we're going to require it anyway. Right? And now they're saying that you're still going to have to wear masks. Yeah, even that doesn't oh, even yeah. work anymore. Yeah. So underlying all of those dictates is a bias in favor of drugs, right? In favor of government enforcement, government control, in favor of someone else being able to dictate your medical freedom, your health freedom, your freedom of choice about anything, um, what to put in your body, when to put in your body, right? And the underlying bias is that someone else knows better than you do or that man knows more than God about these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had anyone criticize you about your faith, your Christian faith, because you learned it at home? Or ha if, and if not directly, have you ever seen reference to that? Someone says, oh, you're a Christian because your parents raised you that way, but if you were born in some tribe in Africa or if you were born in Timbuktu or – you know, in the slums of this city or that city, you necessarily wouldn't be a Christian. How do you respond to that? Is that a bias? And they're accusing you of a bias, right? Saying, well, that's, it's your parents who have biased you in favor of Christianity, and they seek to remove you from that situation as a means of undermining your faith. All right, so what did C.S. Lewis say to those who challenged um, Christians and said that their beliefs were not legitimate because they learned it from their biased parents? Katie? Yes. He said that you learned the color red from your parents. You learned that two plus two equals four from your parents. And just because you learned them from your parents does not make them any less true. And that's, the same with Christianity. That's exactly right. So his point was where you learn something, whether or not it's quote unquote biased, is not relevant, right? Mm -hmm. The relevant question is whether or not it's true, right? Mm -hmm. So... Bias is inevitable, isn't it? it yes. 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 <laughs> nodding your heads, right? The microphone can't pick up a nod. When I was in law school, our teacher always used to say, 
The court reporter can't record the nodding of a head. You have to say yes or no. <laughs> Bias is, is inevitable. Everyone is biased, right? Despite any claims to the contrary, there is no such thing as neutrality. Everyone has what we call ultimate commitments or what philosophers like to call our metaphysic, which are the unargued beliefs and assumptions that are taken for granted behind or at back of and that form the basis for everything else we say, think, do, and believe. Neutrality is a myth, actually, under which the insincere seek to cloak their biases in order to advance them with the least amount of resistance. Pretending to be neutral is dishonest to the core. In the political realm, this masquerades as pragmatism in order to deceive the ignorant to lay down their guard in order that these so-called pragmatists may undertake their own selfish agendas by mischaracterizing them as merely practical, not political. This line of thinking is often accompanied by a claim to be operating according to the facts, not by beliefs. But everyone has beliefs, including those who believe the facts speak for themselves, and including songwriters like John Mayer, who believes that belief is bad unless it aligns with his beliefs about the nature of belief. But facts do not speak for themselves, do they? Facts are always subject to the biases of the one giving the interpretation. Facts are always interpreted according to the ultimate beliefs and presuppositions of the observer. This does not mean, however, that there is no objective truth. On the contrary, truth is objective, but people are not. And as we've said many times, only when you believe what is true can you see things as they really are. This means simply that things will become clear and discernment will occur when we orient our thinking to what is actually true, whether we like it or whether we can even understand it, as opposed to seeking to conform the unchangeable truth to align with the popular opinion or our own limited understanding. The scriptures tell us that we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and to lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. So the question then is not whether one should be biased, for as we've demonstrated, bias is inescapable. The question rather is whose or which bias is true. When we return, we'll take questions from our listeners. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. If you have questions, remember from this program or any program that you'd like us to address in a following week's episode, please submit your questions to questions at icebergsnotsnowflakes.com. And that's written just like it sounds. I will do my best to respond on a future episode. 
Okay, our first question this week actually comes from within the studio, and I believe that Hogan had it for Roger, and then we'll get to a more serious question. But, Hogan, your question was... Would you say that Roger looks like The Weeknd? Would you say that Roger looks like The Weeknd? Katie? True. <laughs> Hogan? True. Yeah. Actually, I, wait, no, Roger, I think you I, can't. I, hang on. Roger, you cannot answer your own question or the question that makes you the subject. I would say that Roger does not look like the weekend because his skin color is different. Therefore, Roger looks like a weekday. Yes. <laughs> goal horn for that. Wait, you can't give yourself a goal horn. <laughs> a goal horn. Yes. That, no, that's this a is my program. Horn. I can give myself the goal horn. Uh-uh. That, that doesn't works. count. All right. I would say Roger doesn't look like the weekend because he's wearing a tux and the weekend wears a red suit. All right. So see the producer. We, we've definitely activated her. Okay. Here's the real question. You talked a lot about examples of bad bias, and we did. But what is an example, or can you give me an example of some good bias? I have some examples, but let me open it up to our students, and then I'll give you one to close. And this can be anybody. Well, a good bias would be a bias towards the Pittsburgh Penguins, that they are the best. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we please, get back Please don't to make me penguins. laugh. <laughs> All right. There's a funny answer. True, but funny. <laughs> funny, but true. Okay, I'm going to give you one. A, a good bias would be a bias in favor of gravity, the laws of gravity. I do not have to accept the laws of gravity. I could, I could be against them. I could hold a very strong opinion a bit against gravity, right? And that would be my bias. But it would have very bad consequences if I went up to the roof of the studio and jumped off without some kind of protection or a a mat at the at the bottom or a big what the firemen used to hold out in the old days the big canvas trampoline, right trampoline, trampoline. Yeah. Or a yeah. bungee cord on your back. Um, but let me bungee give you another cord. example. Uh, that may be too easy, but an example that we talk about uh, in our apologetics classes that these students have all been participants in one way or another is the bias in favor of scripture, right? People will say that we reason circularly, and we've talked about this before. Everyone reasons circularly. Everyone starts with a premise, an unprovable premise, and seeks to prove that through his beliefs. Um, you can use evidence, but the evidence still ties back to your belief. And the thing that we take on the Word of God is the Word of God. So we have a bias in favor of Scripture that leads us to the conclusion that everything that Scripture says is true. Correct. Yes. So yes. we believe we believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the only God and that there is no other. We believe that he created all things and all things are held together by the counsel of his will. We also know because scripture tells us that man is inherently sinful, right? From inception, man has fallen in Adam's sin, we've all fallen. And that Christ is our redemption and our only redemption, right? And that God will come and consummate on the second return of Christ all things to himself, and there will be a new heaven and new earth. Now, this is a bias, and we admit it, right? Like Phineas and Ferb. Why, yes, yes, we do. Everyone has biases. The opposite worldview says the Bible is not the Word of God. And then they go down and they make their decisions, a sequence of decisions that say, therefore, I don't have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because the Bible is not the Word of God, and therefore what the Bible says is not true, right? That's their, that's their line of thinking. Okay. So now we have two biases, a bias of belief in God and a bias of no belief in God. 
The question is not, is one bias and the other's not? The question is, which bias is true? We've touched upon this a little bit, and I'm not going to go into it in detail, and we'll, we'll touch upon it so many different times throughout future episodes. Suffice it to say, the Christian worldview is structured upon the impossibility of the alternative. If the Christian worldview is not true, how do you explain? And then we've gone through this, that, the other thing. Um, but that's an example of what I would call a good bias. Now, we accept that the world, of course, is going to say, that's a bad bias, right? But for us as believers, we know that it's a good bias because that's what gives us the courage to love our enemies, which is a very hard commandment, but that's what we're commanded to do. The courage to trust that um, God has everything in his hands and everything within his control, even though when it seems like the world is falling apart. The courage to trust that the redemption of Christ is sufficient for our salvation um, and that we don't need to believe the lie of Satan that says that our sins are bigger than we are. They're not. They're subject to the control of God, um, meaning that God has them, right? God has taken care of them through redemption in Christ. So these things are ultimately uh, very good, even though they can be difficult. All right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we end episode 10. And that is all the time we have. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, Rachel, who even uh, participated a little bit more directly today. Thank you, Rachel. And to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women, just like these icebergs, who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do? Unless we know what is true. true. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> unless we wear one of those red jackets that Roger's wearing. My name is Kevin Cookagee, you and you've been listening to suit. Jesus and the Meteorologists. <laughs>